skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet, designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhyme record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt yeah. bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch Roberta Flex I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim dug in them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season, the season vet I don't need respect, all I need is to check Mike, check We are back, we are back Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls Grizzlies fans of all ages, thank you wherever you are However you may be taking in the podcast this week It's Grizzly Bear Blues Live I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax Thank you so much for making us a part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience, even a, a small piece of the puzzle. We're happy to be, uh, be where we're at, and we're happy to be with you wherever you may be. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Brandon Connor. Brandon, so good to hear your voice and have you back on the Blog Talk Radio Airwaves. And it's good to talk Grizzlies basketball with you again, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm just the, the draft can't get here fast enough at this point. I'm t- I'm, I've heard enough breakdowns of all these top players. I'm ready to actually get to some picks. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves now. We've got our, uh, our, our little lively blog, as people have been known to call it, grizzlybearblues.com. You can still go and check out all the great breakdowns we'll be doing the next few weeks, but I, I can empathize with Brandon. It does get a little bit, uh, I don't want to say tedious, but y- you want to have the draft here. Obviously, for us at, Gri- at Grizzly Bear Blues, we're excited about our draft party that we're going to be throwing. So uh, there, there's lots of reasons to be excited for the 21st maybe with a hint of, uh, of terror in there, given uh, who may or may not be making the pick. We'll talk about that with our guest coming up here momentarily. We're going to jump right into it. Ways to get in touch with the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow my co-host, Brandon Connor. He's a great follow at Ball from Grace. If you want to follow me for some reason, Joe Mullinax, the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com. You can follow me at Joe Mullinax. And then, of course, the blog that is so near and dear to both mine and Brandon's hearts grizzlybearblues.com you can follow us there on twitter on at sbn grizzlies we have a jam-packed podcast for you this week before we go on a little bit of a break before we really get back into draft preview season uh, we're excited to have our next guest back on the program he is one of the best if not the best grizzlies minds out there formerly now of the commercial appeal and i'm sure he can't go too much in detail into detail with what his next move will be but we're going to have Chris Harrington on the podcast uh, to talk NBA draft, who he likes, who he doesn't like. I'm going to ask him, and I might end up regretting this, Brandon. I'm going to ask him his take on, uh, on the Grizzly Bear Blues community mock draft, which has uh, been a bit controversial. Um, I, I kind of let the, the fires burn a little too brightly there, and we had to restart things. But uh, I'll ask him his take on what I did with the Grizzlies picket for that article went up on Tuesday, if you're listening to this podcast later on in the week here, uh, it's over at grizzlybearblues.com. You can check and see what I did with the Grizzlies pick. I traded back, and uh, some folks weren't very happy with that idea. I hope they give me a chance to, to show my full body of work, but we'll ask them about that and all those fun things here momentarily. Then later on in the podcast, Parker Fleming uh, at Paca underscore, underscore Flocka. Do you like how I put an underscore in there? That's funny. Uh, Parker Fleming, <laughs> GBB senior writer, covered the latest round of Grizzlies pre-draft workouts. We'll ask him about who impressed, who did not. It sounded like a lot of potential uh, options at pick number 32, or maybe the Grizzlies pay up or uh, trade in to get another second round pick, uh, and maybe they'd be interested in one of those guys there. But before we get to all of that, the man of the hour in terms of our guests, this week 
We're excited to have him back again, formerly of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. He still does a guest or does a guest spot, excuse me, on 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis. Great friends of GBB, that radio station, and uh, he does a great job with Jeff Calkins. He's all over the place, and he'll be back soon. Like I said, probably can't elaborate too much on what that will be, but he's kind of in between gigs, and he's so kind to spend some time with us here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Harrington. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing okay. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us this week on the podcast and, and kind of look ahead because nobody is more tapped in into what the Grizzlies are likely to do or may do uh, the thought process of this front office. And we'll talk a little bit more about that front office uh, moving and shaking a little bit here momentarily. Um, but the, the main thing uh, that I wanted to kind of look at first was we talked about how you're kind of in between gigs right now. Uh, on your own personal blog, you did a great post that I highly recommend if you haven't checked it out. Make sure you're following Chris on Twitter if you don't already do so. Chances are, if you listen to this podcast, you probably follow Chris already. But at Harrington NBA, uh, you talked a ton about a variety of different prospects, how you kind of whittle it down to who your favorite guys are. So if you would, Chris, obviously uh, folks still go read the article. What's a general consensus that you come to in terms of the Grizzlies sitting there at four, what direction they should go with? Um, I sort of feel like we're going to spend, you know, the next three weeks, three and a half weeks, whatever it is at this point, arguing about these various prospects and that it's more, more likely than not the Grizzlies will have sort of their decision made for them at four. Because I think, I think, I think this draft breaks after four or five players. And to me, Michael Porter is the or. And, you know, that could get interesting with Porter, you know, if, if they can get a hold of his medical records and check him out. But absent them getting comfortable with him, I feel like, you know, we could argue about Jared Jackson and, and Marvin Bagley and Luka Doncic, but that's not a decision you're actually going to have to make on draft night. Because two of those three players are going to be gone, and the one who, who's left is going to be the obvious pick to make, and I suspect probably the correct pick. The correct pick, and it's such an interesting question for Memphis. As you alluded to there, Chris, the idea that Doncic probably won't be there, Aiton probably won't be there, even you know all the rumors about Doncic and all that is seems like smoke from his representation or for somebody that wants to try to see him drop a little bit. I'd be stunned if he's there for the Grizzlies at four, although Bleacher Report and other mock drafts have that actually occurring. You know, Marvin Bagley seems like a more likely – uh, candidate to fall to Memphis at four if Atlanta likes Jaron Jackson Jr. a little bit better. I know that you're a big Triple J fan, Chris, and I just kind of wanted to gauge your take on why you think that if he is there at four, he may be the option or the best option for Memphis. Because for me, Chris, what makes me nervous about him, and you kind of squashed this in your post, uh, it depends on how the coach uses you in college. I like how Marvin Bagley dominated the ACC. I like how DeAndre Ayton dominated the Pac-12. Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't really do that in the Big Ten. That makes me nervous, even though he clearly has potential as a big in the modern NBA. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a column a few weeks ago, one of my my next to last column, I guess, when I was at the Commercial Appeal, where I looked at <clears throat> certain types of players who have been drafted in the top five over the past 20 years and sort of what the success rate has been. And players who fit the Bagley Ayton model – which are I characterize as players who were considered elite coming out of high school, you know, top ten, consensus top ten. In the case of those guys, they're both consensus top three. Guys who were considered elite coming out of high school who were who were elite immediately in college, were dominant as freshmen. Those players, not surprisingly probably, those players tend to have an extremely high success rate. Um, and there's another kind of player that you can argue which category Jaron Jackson fits in, there's another type of player that is the type that was considered elite coming out of high school, and they weren't dominant right away in college, um, but were drafted highly still based on potential or based on a sort of a skills projection. And the success rate of those players has not been as high. Like the poster boy to me is a guy like Marvin Williams, who was, you know, came off the bench on that North Carolina title team as a freshman, ended up going number two in the draft because people were projecting his skills out forward and you just didn't get the level of improvement everyone was assuming. And he ended up being a good player, but not not a star. In a lot of ways, Jaron Jackson sort of fits that model, the guy who who was not dominant right away in college, but people are sort of projecting all this improvement on him. 
and a lot of times that ends up being a disappointment. I guess what I would say as a Jaron Jackson fan is that I think you can make the argument for putting him in the eight and Bagley category because depending on how you define production, he was a 40% three-point shooter, 80% free-throw shooter. He was one of the best shot blockers in the country, probably the best in the draft for a minute. Uh, Mo Bamba was more spectacular, but Jaron Jackson was arguably more effective as a shot blocker. Um, his defense, his impact on the, the Michigan State team defense, you could see it with your eyes, but it's also there in the numbers. He had a major impact sure. on team defense. And his scoring, not just relative to his minutes, but relative to like his touches, his scoring efficiency was right there in some ways with, with Aiton and Bagley. Probably not quite as good, but, but his rate of production relative to his opportunity was still pretty high. And then you factor in and he's you know, six months six months younger than Bagley, I think like a year younger than Aiden. I think there's a lot of context to his production at Michigan State that, that makes me think, you know, maybe he deserves to be considered in this guy who sort of proved it in college at a young age, even though his numbers were not as, as eye-popping as Bagley and Aiden. And then the other thing with Jackson, which everybody points to, but I'm right there with them, is that his game fits the modern NBA um, better than, than those guys. In terms of, you know, we talk about unicorn as protect the rim and then stretch the floor. He does both of those things, but he adds the third element. He defends the perimeter. And the idea of having a big who can still do big man things but can, but can impact the perimeter defensively and offensively, I, I, think, I just think the potential for him is extremely high. Um, that said, I still think Aiden's the best player in the draft. And if I were forced to choose, and the Grizzlies will not have to make this choice probably, but if I were forced to choose between Bagley and Jackson, like I would really, really, really want to pick Jaron Jackson, and then I would probably chicken out and take Marvin Bagley. It really is. And like you said, that's one of the positives maybe in the long run here of the, the Grizzlies falling to four is the decision will be made for them. One of those two will almost certainly be there at four, either Bagley or Jackson. It'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, I think that the real, if, the, if the Grizzlies stay at four, the real decision is going to be which of those players is left versus Michael Porter, and that's the decision. And if it's Jaron Jackson versus Michael Porter, I mean, that's a discussion we'll be having in the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot of disagreement about that. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live, chatting with our guest at this time, Chris Harrington, formerly of the Memphis Commercial Appeal, still does guest spots on 92.9 FM ESPN Memphis' Jeff Calkin Show. Chris is one of the very best Grizzlies minds out there. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Harrington NBA. Chris, our question of the day poll uh, was the, uh, how, what we think Grizzlies fans or what Grizzlies fans may want to have happen in terms of the Grizzlies' overall draft strategy heading into the 2018 NBA draft. The four options were Stan Patton drafted four and 32 overall, trade four, 32, and whatever else it takes to move up into the draft, perhaps for a Luka Doncic, uh, trade back and use more picks to try to just accumulate more assets and actually use those picks or trade back and trade for veterans to try to strengthen this overall roster as it stands currently. Uh, the overwhelming winner, not surprisingly, was Stan Pat, 66% of the over 180 votes, thanks to everybody who voted in the poll. Uh, taking a look at wanting Memphis to pick at 4 and 32, obviously two very valuable picks. I, I don't know if you've been following, Chris, I have gone in the opposite direction in our Grizzly Bear Blues community mock NBA draft. Uh, the post went up on the blog today, and we've been doing it on Twitter the past week or so. Uh, I decided to trade with 92.9 ESPN's uh, Devin Walker, uh, the number four pick, and I traded that pick for number 10 overall, number 26 overall, number 39 overall, and the Philly 2019 first-round pick, the lesser of the two between uh, Sacramento and Philly, the worst pick. So likely Philly's selection in 2019. I thought that was pretty good value for four. I did this before Bagley fell, which probably wasn't too smart. So maybe that's why I'm not an NBA GM, but because Bagley fell uh, all the way to five actually in our mock draft, which I would be stunned if that actually occurred. Um, But I guess I'm kind of curious as to your overall thoughts on the Grizzlies draft night strategy. And then your take on what I did Maybe you wouldn't necessarily agree with doing it, but do you think if the Grizzlies do want to trade back, is that the kind of value they should be seeking? Multiple first-round picks, another lottery pick, staying in this year's lottery. Uh, What is the value of that number four pick to you? Um, You know, that seems like a really good haul on the surface. What I would say about that, I think, is that 
first of all, I would set aside the number 39. Like, it's not a meaningless – it's a nice nice pick. It's not meaningless value, but I don't really factor that in in terms of an evaluation. So I'll set that aside. That's fair. Um, the, the, the Philly pick for next year, which is probably going to be in the mid-20s, I'm guessing, or certainly at least in the 20s, if that draft is as bad as everyone says, everyone seems to think that next year is going to be one of the all-time bad drafts, the Mets are basically like a second-round pick in a normal draft. And so, you know, you got sort of two what I would consider second-round kind of picks. One, obviously, is a second-round pick. The other, basically, a second-round value. So now you're looking at 10 and, what was it, 22 or 26? 10 and 26. Right. And so that 26 is, you know, I think there's going to be a good player there. I think there's going to be a good player at 32. I'm actually a fan of this draft. And so I love the idea of, like, you know, getting multiple sort of shots at players in that late first, early second of this draft. But the reality is the Grizzlies are sort of overloaded with middling young players, like non-lottery, non-star quality young young prospects already for a team that's trying to be good right right away. And there's only so many roster spots. You're only carrying 15 players, not counting your two-way guys. I, I just think I don't do that unless I'm really convinced that the drop-off from 4 to 10 is not that steep. And it may not be because I think this is a good draft through about 10 probably. But I just think the NBA is about getting the best possible individual players, and typically the winning the winning trade the winning side in the trade is the one that is the, is the side that has the best individual player. And so I'm I'm staying at four. I'm not going to do that. I think that's fair, uh, Chris. Before we moved on, I did want to touch uh, 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 go back to Jaron Jackson for just a second. The general consensus that I've heard, and I don't know how right this is but it seems like everyone seems to think of him as a year away in terms of being a real contributor. And I know rookies generally don't contribute, you know, too much um, in their first year anyway, but in terms of Bagley, like a guy like say Bagley versus Jaron Jackson, do you weigh that in terms of um, like how much first year production versus higher ceiling um, given where the Grizzlies are in their team building um, what they're looking at right now, what their roster is with Conley and Gasol and their competitive window, how much do you factor that into a decision on draft night, or do you just have to look at, you know, this guy has the longer-term ceiling, even if we think that first-year Bagley may be Bagley or whoever else is on the board there for may have a higher ceil- or may have a better first year than Jackson, even if Jackson's got the higher ceiling. You know, Chris Wallace says, he said this a few times, and he said it to me that, you know, this high in this draft, you don't have to choose between present and future. And I think that's true to a degree. I think whoever you take it for is going to be a high-ceiling player that has the potential to be a cornerstone player in the post-Conley Gasol future. And I think anyone you take it for has the potential to help you next season. But there is a difference in degree. Um, And I, I do think there's a difference in degree, particularly with Bagley versus Jackson, Part of that's because I think Bagley is closer to like like he has, he has room for improvement too, but he is closer to his physical peak I think than Jackson is, and probably better equipped to step in right away. Part of that is positional. I know a lot of people are saying they think Bagley's got to play center because you know if you're taller than six nine, you have to play center in the NBA now. But I think he's mostly a four, and I think he can play four with Marcus All. And so I think Marvin Bagley could be your starting power forward on opening night. I think Jaron Jackson, if you draft him, is probably your third big off the bench on opening night. And while I think he can play with Marcus Gasol because he's good enough defensively on the perimeter, I think they can play together. Ultimately, he's your center of the future, whereas Marvin Bagley, I think, is your power forward of the present. And so I, I, I do think Bagley is more of an instant impact player, and I also think he has a high ceiling. And so – you know, that's one of the reasons it would be hard for me to take Jackson over Bagley, even though I would really, really want to. I think Jackson has the ultimately higher ceiling in the NBA. But I think Bagley has a higher floor and still has a pretty high ceiling. Um, but I do not think that that distinction in terms of instant impact should, should weigh on the Grizzlies' decision. I think they should make the long-term decision. But I think that long-term decision is about balancing getting high upside but also mitigating risk. Um, to me, I think this is a good draft. I think you're high enough in this draft, but I don't want to choose between the ceiling and the floor. I want both. I want a high ceiling and a high floor. And that's why I'd reticent about, you know, high ceiling risk players to me like Bomba or Michael Porter 
and I'm not going to reach on, I think, a high floor, low ceiling like a Wendell Carter. Like, I'm looking at Bagley and Jackson and, and Dockage if he flips, and I'm taking whichever of those guys are there because I think those guys all have a high ceiling and all also have a relatively high floor. Okay, I think that that makes perfect sense. You mentioned you mentioned Chris Wallace, and so um, you know the the Grizzlies throughout the season have had this you know kind of cloud hanging over them in terms of the ownership group, and that's finally been settled. But now we've got another front office question. Ed Stefanski has moved on to take a um, front office position with the Detroit Pistons. So, in terms of who's making the pick this year. Um, you know, we've talked about how the Grizzlies have done poorly, you know, in drafting so many times. We blamed a lot of that on Chris Wallace. Um, there's John Hollinger. You, you don't necessarily know who's going to have the, the loudest voice in the room or the, the most weight in this decision. How nervous are you in with Stefanski gone and who's making that decision? Or do you think they're kind of in a spot here where, you know, for given the fact that one of those – you know, top-level players is likely to slip to them? Are they kind of in a uh, a foolproof position here? Well, they're not in a foolproof position because they have a really difficult decision to make about how strongly they're going to consider Porter. I mean, Porter's a huge roll of the dice. Uh, Chris Wallace is known for wanting to roll the dice. Um, he is known for, player, for, want, for liking players who have that elite um, pedigree and Michael Porter was the number one ranked player coming out of out of his high school class, even ahead of Aiden on you know I think on those consensus rankings. Um, so I could see like a Chris Wallace move being sort of shooting for the move with Porter, and who knows, maybe that would be the right move. I, I personally, based on what I know, which will be less than what they'll know in draft night, couldn't take that risk. But I do think it's true. You have a relatively when you're picking this high, you have a relatively narrow band of um, of choices. I know that the draft history is not good um, with Wallace here. I tend to think that the handwriting over that is probably slightly overstated. Um, I'm not that concerned about 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 that. I feel like I feel like almost any GM in the league is really looking at the same couple options, and 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 I, I just, I'm not sure that Chris Wallace approaching this is going to be that much different than most executives approaching approaching this. So I'm not that concerned about it. But I don't think that the Grizzlies front office is, you know, it's it's not in a dysfunctional place the way it has been in the past. But I don't, I, certainly, I don't think anyone feels like it's one of the strong, you know, revving front offices of the NBA. And so, there's definitely room for improvement there. Um, just in terms of that, real quick, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the Porter and taking the gamble, and he's he is kind of the high upside play. Do you think? Like if they're given access to his, even if they're given access to his medicals, do you think the decision over Chandler Parsons and how poorly that's gone and the sort of PR mess that it's created, do you think that'll have any impact, or are they just if they see his medicals and they clear him, um, are they just going to you know have enough faith in their their medical staff that he's healthy and that he can play? Well, they're going to say, no, that doesn't have an impact. And maybe you even convince yourself it doesn't have an impact. But it's not just Chandler Parsons. The Grizzlies have a, a history in, the, in recent years of damaged goods purchases, right? You, you sign – I mean, Parsons is the, is the major example, but you sign Parsons after after a knee surgery. Um, you sign Vince Carter after summer, a summer ankle surgery. Um, you draft Jarrell Martin. It ended, ended up not being only or anything, but you draft Jarrell Martin after an injury leading up to the draft. And that did impact his rookie season. There's a history here of damaged goods acquisitions, and I think that's got that that element of risk has got to factor into your mind to some degree. Um, I, I feel like there's no way they can take him without getting his medical records and getting him in for a personal physical. I think it would not surprise me if Michael Porter, you know, used that to try to move himself somewhere. And I don't know if that would be Memphis, although if he's healthy, I think Memphis would be a good fit for him basketball-wise. Um, and so I, I just can't see taking him that high, given the other options, if you don't have access to that stuff. Now, if you get access to it and you think it checks out, then, you know, I think maybe you're tempted. Maybe if you, maybe you're looking at Jackson versus Porter and you're saying, 
you know, we got to swing for the fences here. We got to swing for a star, and Jackson can't be a star, and Porter can, and we got to go for it. I think a lot of fans would agree with that decision. I would be very scared to do that myself. Yeah, that would definitely be a big risk here. Uh, and the Grizzlies obviously have not had the best of luck with those swings uh, at the at the hy- hypothetical fence. It makes me nervous. Porter has is very tantalizing, but just the the injuries, you know, we're already the if healthy all-stars. Uh, just before we move on here, uh, ESPN is, as we were recording this, doing their uh, mock draft special. Uh, Woj has the Grizzlies taking Bagley at four overall. He does have Bagley falling to them at four. However, he says that he does not see the Grizzlies keeping the pick. If they can get value for it, they will likely move it. Now, that is uh, an interesting take from obviously uh, – the mighty Woj in terms of knowing what is going on in various NBA circles. But at the same time, the Grizzlies have always kind of been kind of, uh, kind of in and out in terms of uh, the national perception of what they're going to do. So just a, a note there on what the, uh, the Grizzlies might be doing in the eyes of Woj. I, I, I just think it's still too far out to really speculate on what the Grizzlies are going to do. I don't know if they know what they're going to do at this point. Remember, like a week ago, there was a report one day that the Grizzlies were, were moving the pick and were likely to move the pick. And then the very next day, there was another report, both both claiming to be sourced, that the Grizzlies were definitely not going to move the pick. I don't think the Grizzlies have any idea what they're going to do at this point. Um, and so I don't put any faith in any reports, you know, saying this far out about the Grizzlies' intentions. Um, I do I would... worry about short-term thinking in terms of they, they have been so – they beat the drum so hard about getting back into the playoffs next season, which is not an expectation that I that I that I hold the team to based on everything I know. Um, and so I worry that they have they have been so adamant about being in the playoffs next season that it might lead them to some short term decision making that I don't think would be smart more than likely. I think that's fair, especially if you have access to Bagley or if you do have access to Porter's medicals and, you know, maybe it's the typical return from surgery. Maybe the first year he's a little bit iffy, but there's no reason to worry about him long term. I think you make fair points there. Uh, Everybody focuses on the number four pick, of course, very important, but Grizzlies fans, perhaps more than any other fan base outside of Golden State with uh, Draymond Green, know the value of a second-round pick, whether it's Deontay Davis, obviously Dylan Brooks this past season, arguably the steal of the NBA draft in 2017. Memphis has actually done better drafting in the second round than in the first in recent history. Uh, So who do you like at 32 overall, Chris? Is it somebody that you maybe see that could fall from the the mid to late first round, maybe a player like a Jalen Brunson or a a Dante DiVincenzo? I always mispronounce his name. Forgive me. Dante DiVensco? Ah, goodness. Hopefully one of you can help me with that. Uh, the great wing six-man type from Villanova who had a very good uh, NCAA tournament who announced he will be staying in the NBA draft. Maybe he falls. I doubt it. Uh, but, you know, you have Trayvon Duvall, uh, Josh Okogie, who we'll talk more about uh, with Parker here in a little bit, actually was in Memphis for a workout. There's a lot of different names that could be in that mix at number 32 overall that – you look at Dylan Brooks, he was one of the, I mean, for Grizzly Bear Blues, when we did our year-end awards, Dylan Brooks was the MVP of the team. Obviously not a very good team, but still a pretty important player moving forward. Who do you like at 32 overall for this team, Chris? Well, there are a couple of classes of players that would might be in the mix at 32 that I don't have a good feel for, and I'm going to try to develop a better feel for over the next couple of weeks. And those are the players who did not play college basketball. They're your Anthony Simons, Mitchell Robinson, some of the international guys. And then some of the players who were not projected into the draft until late into the season. And so, like, I just never got around to watching Josh Kogi or, or Kevin Herter. Um, I, did, I did watch a lot of um, Dante DiVincenzo because he was playing on Villanova, and I was already watching a lot of Villanova because of Bridget and Brunson. Um, some of the guys I like who might be there, a lot of them probably won't, but at least in theory. A guy I, I really like is uh, Kyrie Thomas, um, guard from Creighton. He's two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's, he's got NBA athleticism, plays above the rim. He's got a 6'10", 6'11", wingspan for a 6'4", guard. Shot 40% from three from college last year. 
I think he could be a really good sort of three and D and maybe a little bit more than that guard in the NBA. If he slipped, he probably won't, but I have seen him. I've actually seen him at 32 in one mock, which is where the Grizzlies pick. Um, I like both the Villanova guys, Brunson and DiVincenzo. I think they're both backups. Like, I don't see starter upside from them in the NBA, but I think they can both play. Uh, Melvin Frazier at Tulane is a guy I really like. He'll probably go higher, but I think there's a lot of three and D upside with him on the wing if he, if he were there. And those are some of my favorites. I'm, I'm hoping like one of those would squeak through. A guy who will almost certainly be there, in fact, he's in the 40s and a lot of mocks, but I do think he's going to be a good NBA player is Landry Shamit at Wichita State just because I think if you're a perimeter player with size and you can pass and shoot from deep like you can play in the NBA, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the draft. He was a point guard in college. may not be a real point guard in the NBA. I think he can make plays as a secondary ball handler. He can move the ball. He's got decent size at 6'4", 6'5". And so I think that's the guy who can who can get minutes in the NBA. I really like all of those names. I like all of those guys. Uh, I, I do think that one that is going to create drama uh, in in most circles, especially in Memphis. You know, I, I've in the past rallied against the what does it mean to not be Memphis enough, or he's not Memphis, or she's not Memphis. Uh, Grayson Allen figures to be in the mix there at at thirty two, and I'm not saying that the Grizzlies would target him. I do think the guys that you see coming in and working out are probably the ones that they're interested in, at least at this time, as Chris mentioned earlier. That could certainly change. Uh, but there's lots of Dukies uh, that could potentially be in the mix there at 32, whether it's Gary Trent Jr., uh, the shooter, whether it is Trayvon Duvall, again, a, a point guard. And then, of course, you've got Grayson Allen. Uh, do you think any of those players, obviously Allen probably be the headliner in terms of infamous or famous uh, personality traits, do you think any of them fit in Memphis? I don't think you have room for Trayvon Duvall and Kobe Simmons um, to both develop on an NBA roster. I think there's too much similarity there, sort of athletic point guards who, who, who are sort of shaky jump shots that are sort of long-term prospects. I don't really see that. Um, I, I'm not as high on Trent as some people are. I think he can shoot, but I'm not know. I don't know if he's much more than a spot up guy in the NBA. Although you know, spot up guys have value. Allen, I like a little bit more because I think you know, I think he can make some plays off the dribble. He can he can sort of handle the ball. Um, you know, there's some stuff there. I just don't think at 32, I think there'd be plenty of guys. I you know, I think Divincenzo is, is sort of similar in a lot of ways to Grayson Allen. I like Divincenzo better. Yeah, I, I think he's a talented guy. If any of them, you know, Grayson Allen obviously would be a bit of a risk. But I agree with you in terms of the depth of this draft. I mean, I'm just on NBADraft.net, and obviously you go to the Ringer, and you know, ESPN isn't quite as good after what they've done to Draft Express. But there's so many. No, uh, it's so disappointing what, what's happened over there. And their <laughs> right. website, I know it's not for me anymore because I'm, I'm too old for it to be for me, and I don't care about video. But the website is hard to navigate now. Yes, agreed. I'm with you on that. I'm an, I'm old too. At least for bloggers, I'm old. Um, so yeah, I I would agree. And you know, you go through all these different mocks, and you know, I even like you know a Javon Carter out of West Virginia. I don't know how much he he translates to the NBA, but his defensive skill. You want to talk about something that would be valued in Memphis? A Caleb Martin, who uh, has been a transfer, started his career at NC State. Uh, they have him going. To Indiana at fifty, you know, I could see him having some success in the NBA. This well, does I, just I do feel think like there's a deep draft. Yeah, I do think there's room on the Grizzlies roster right away. You know, not as necessarily an every night player, but I think there's a role there for a, a sort of true point guard, a smaller true point guard who can give you a different look than, than Andrew Harrison. Um, so I think a Jalen Brunson, a Javon Carter, a player like that, um, I, I think could be a decent way to go for the Grizzlies. I, I feel like veteran guards like that who tend to slip um, tend to be pretty good value in the second round. Yes, uh, that that would be my hope as well, just from watching those guys play. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this, Chris. Thanks so much, as always, for being uh, so gracious with your time. Uh, I'm curious as to your, your general prediction in terms of, and like you said, this is going to change four times between now and the actual draft. We're still so far away. But, but if you'd humor, here, humor me here for a moment, uh, 
the the likelihood that they take a big at a four or a wing at four, trade up, trade back. Uh, I know you've already kind of said it's a choice between Porter and maybe Jackson Porter or Bagley if they stay at four. Uh, What is your gut telling you right now the Grizzlies are going to do with that fourth selection? Again, 32 is important, but obviously all eyes will be on four come June 21st. Well, if either either Doncic or Bagley are there at four, I have a hard time seeing them not just take whichever whichever player that is and, 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 and be happy with that. If they are both gone, which I think is likely, then I think you're looking at Jared Jackson versus Michael Porter versus a trade. I don't think you're taking anyone else at four. I think it's Jackson, Porter, or a trade. And at that point, I think all bets are off. I think you go either of those three directions. Um, put it all together, and it, you know, it suggests that a big at four is the most likely scenario, just because there are more of them in the mix, uh, depending on how you classify Porter. But, you know, Backley and Jackson certainly bigs. Um, and so, you know, that, that that's sort of the way I see it today. I, I think I, I don't see them passing up Doncic or Backley at four. And, you know, if those guys are gone, I think it's Jackson versus Porter versus whatever your trade options are. So I think if you're the Grizzlies, you have to, I mean, this is cliche and they all say it, but it's also the truth. You just have to, you have to work every angle. You know, you have to, you have to work the Michael Porter medical record um, workout angle and get as comfortable as you can with him. You have to explore all the trade scenarios that are out there. And I think, you know, if the draft plays out the way I expect it to, you have to make a decision. I think my decision decision would be Jaron Jackson in that case, but I'm higher on Jackson than most people. Fair enough. Chris Harrington, thank you so much. Best of luck in your next gig. I'm sure we'll have you on uh, down the road. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Right, once again, ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Harrington. Again, I can't uh, – can't overstate how great that guy is and what he does. Um, he's one of the reasons I'm uh, continuing doing what I'm doing as a Grizzlies blogger. Uh, he's one of the ones who inspires me uh, between him and Leip, Kevin Leip, obviously formerly of GBB. Now he does a great job for the Beyond the Arc blog. Uh, Chris Harrington's one of the very best. I can't wait to see what his next step is, and I appreciate him taking time to chat with Brandon and I for you here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We're carrying on. Again, Grizzly Bear Blues Live, thanks for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, After this show, we're going to go on a bit of a hiatus. We will come back on June 13th uh, is what we're aiming for, perhaps a little bit uh, earlier than that, maybe June 12th. Might go to Tuesdays there. So be on the lookout. Follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. We'll update you in terms of what our schedule will be heading into the NBA draft. We'll do a couple of podcasts before the draft, and then, of course, the big podcast itself from our draft party at Memphis Rec Room on June 21st. Very excited about that. I'm flying in for that party. I can't wait to be there back in Memphis, hanging out with all of my favorite GB beers. Of course, Holly Whitfield of I Love Memphis blog will be there. Memphis City Design t-shirts will be there. There's going to be a prize wheel, food trucks, all sorts of amazing things. Uh, Four screens dedicated to the draft, drink specials. It's going to be a remarkable event. Can't wait to be there. And like I said, a live stream podcast hosted by Greg Ratliff and Mark King. I am going to be a guest on this show, but I made sure that I was not going to be involved in producing it or hosting it so I could enjoy the draft party. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you'll join us. Memphis Rec Room, June 21st in Memphis for the 2018 NBA Draft, Grizzly Bear Blues, and I Love Memphis blog co-hosted event. And I do believe our next guest, Brandon, is going to be at that event as well. At least he better be. He owes me uh, for um, all the wonderful things I do for him. Just kidding. Uh, But I'm excited to have our next guest at this time talk to us a little bit about the most recent Grizzlies workouts. Uh, He was in attendance for that. He also was there for the Chris Wallace media availability. We'll get his take on all of that. His name is Parker Fleming, a.k.a. Paca Flocka. How are you doing, Parker? Yo, what's good? Everything's all good. Uh, it's, it's good. You know, talking to Chris Harrington's always fun. Uh, that, that's one of the best parts of this gig is getting to talk to guys like that. I feel much smarter every time I, every time I'm done talking with Chris, uh, he's terrific. Um, but anyway, uh, picking up with you, Parker, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm excited to have you on Parker because you are someone who was there that day for those workouts. You saw the guys that came in, 
You had a, you have a good idea of what they were looking for. You had a chance to listen to Chris Wallace interact with the media as a member of the media covering for us here at GBB. Give us your overall impressions of the event. Um, so one thing Wallace has kind of hit on these early draft workouts is getting hometown talent in. Um, as most people saw, Chris Chioza, who played high school basketball in Memphis, was in attendance, and then Admiral Schofield. Admiral Schofield from Tennessee, who just announced he was coming back to Tennessee today, he was in attendance too. And there was also a player from Murray State. But the main highlight of that was Georgia Tech's Josh Okoji. I think that's how you pronounce it, Josh Okoji. I believe that's right. He's risen up the draft. Yeah, he's risen up the draft boards a lot after the combine. So those are important names, and the Okoji player, of course, being one of the main ones. Uh, a, a, a Josh Pastner special out of Georgia Tech. Um, he, believe it or not, is the player that is currently slated, at least by the mock draft. Again, I mentioned earlier, I'm on NBADraft.net. Josh Okoji is the guy from or for the Grizzlies at 32 overall. So maybe there's a connection there in terms of him coming in for the workout. What do you make of his game? Do you see him as a fit in Memphis? They have him listed on NBADraft.net as a 6'4", 2'10", shooting guard slash small forward. Uh, the comparison that they make for him is a, a player that can kind of be that 3 and D idea in the NBA. Well, you know, I feel like that just gets kind of tired at some point. Obviously, having a longer wingspan for his height, he's six foot four in shoes, uh, but he has got a seven foot wingspan. Uh, you know, that's impressive. How excited would you be if the Grizzlies made that pick at thirty two? If Okoji was the guy, I think it'd be a great pick. Actually, um, I'm on the Ringers uh, draft coverage right now, and honestly, it's probably the best draft coverage. I've seen nationally at least. And they say they have him at 28 to the Golden State Warriors. And they say he has shades of Robert Covington, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and of course Memphis legend, Jamal Franklin. Um, oh, no. The grindson. The grindson. But I actually think Josh Okoji can actually be like a grindson kind of player at six, about 6'4, six, 6'5 six, with a seven foot wingspan. Say he's big. His big thing is guarding multiple positions. And honestly, there's really no one like that on the Grizzlies at the moment, unless you're super high on guys like Wayne Zeldin and Andrew Harrison. But he also, good shooter. And tell him by his stats, he did a little bit of everything uh, 18 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists, uh, 38% from three, nearly two steals a game, and a block a game. So kind of from what it looks like, he just did a little bit of everything. And the Grizzlies really need a player that does a lot of everything. Um, in terms of the, in terms of comparing him to guys, a lot of people have linked, um, even Joe in the last segment have linked like Grayson Allen to to a, as a potential pick for the Grizzlies at 32. How do you think he fits in in comparison to uh, to a guy like Grayson Allen? Um, and thoughts on that. Like comparing Okoji to Grayson Allen? Yeah. Do you think Do you think there Do you think he's a better fit? Do you think um, probably similar fits? Um, or do you think Do you like one more than the other right now? Um, if you haven't followed me on Twitter for the past year, <laughs> I'm definitely a Grayson <laughs> Allen fan. Um, if If the Grizzlies if drafted Trey Young at four and Grayson Allen at thirty-two, Parker would go out and buy custom jerseys that night. That night, he would order of Trey Young and Grayson Allen. I already have the Duke Grayson Allen jersey, so I'm already ready for that one. Um, but I think, as terms of fit goes, I think Akoji fits the team more because Grayson Allen can't really guard multiple positions, um, especially more of a, especially guarding the three. Whereas I think Josh Akoji can. Um, think from what I've seen I think Grayson can actually score better but I think Akoji might be the better shooter which uh, honestly getting a score and getting a shooter not really bad options for the Grizzlies but I think in terms of just you know that grit and grind I think getting Josh Akoji might be the best fit would definitely be an interesting pick and I do like his talent level there at 32 
I also kind of like the idea of taking 32, pairing it with one of the many bigs that Memphis has, or pairing it with a future, uh, maybe the 2019 pick for the Grizzlies in the second round is a good example. If you're not as high on that draft, uh, and, and maybe trying to move up if there's somebody that you're in love with, maybe it's Dante uh, from Villanova, and you try to maybe get into the later parts of the first round, I could be open to that idea as well with that 32nd pick. But uh, as Chris kind of alluded to, and you have as well here, Parker, there's going to be value at 32. This draft is impressive in terms of the types of players that you're going to be able to choose from, You know, whether it's Melvin Frazier, uh, so many names, Zaire Smith, uh, probably will go close to the lottery, but maybe he falls. Um, there's so many different types of guys that could be in the mix there at 32. It's worth holding on to that pick and seeing what kind of goes down. Uh, as far as Wallace goes, you know, the, the media availability, I know he talked a little bit about picking at number four. Uh, he, he sounded very in love with Luka Doncic, which in fairness to him, I also uh, was in love with Luka Doncic. The only reason I say was in love is because I'm trying to not let my heart be broken. I don't want to get my hopes up thinking that Doncic will be there at four. Uh, I continue to tell myself that it's most likely that he'll be gone by the second overall pick. I still think that will indeed be the case. Uh, But what was your overall kind of takeaway on Wallace and his media availability? He never says too much, but there's usually a nugget or two in there that that can be kind of interesting in terms of gauging where they're heading into the NBA draft in terms of strategy. Um, obviously I think he loves whether or not in the draft, not just at the four pick, but the 32 pick, he alluded to the idea that picking at 32 in this draft could compare to picking 20 and like in the twenties in next year's draft. And they don't, they might not have their pick next year. So that, and honestly, it sounds silly to say that because obviously it's 20 is higher than 30, but next year's draft class is extremely weak from what everyone's been saying. So if you can get a guy who's a first-round quality talent at 32, that's a steal right there. I mean, we've seen it this past year with Kyle Kyle Kuzma was in the late 20s, but still provided great value for the Lakers. Dylan Brooks at 45, just to to name a few. Um, And then at four, just the position of they can either trade down and acquire more assets. He said something about trading up, but obviously that probably won't happen unless they give up Mark or Mike or Dylan Brooks. <clears throat> I just, I, I think it's a silly idea that unless you're like, okay, let's, let's blow it up. Um, and then of course he loves the bigs in that area, which could be frightening. If, uh, if you have a post to beat stress uh, disorder, but yeah, uh, and I, I've, uh, you know, obviously GBB is doing our uh, prospect profiles. They continue through the next couple of weeks over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're checking them out. Um, there's interesting prospects that will definitely be there at four. We'll also take a look at a couple at, that'll be there at 32. Parker, you wrote about Bomba for us at GBB. Uh, what are your takes on him? Because, spoiler alert, uh, if you've been following on Twitter, you may already know this. But in terms of the overall trade that I made with Devin Walker to get back to 10, Mo Bamba falls to 10 in our mock draft. Now, I don't necessarily see that happening. I think that Bamba will be gone by that point. But that's remarkable value for a guy in Bamba. Uh, you know, a lot of folks have going in the three, four, five, six range. Uh, what's your take on Bamba in terms of, because like you said in your article, and I agree with you, He's not the beat. That's not a fair comparison to make. Uh, if the Grizzlies took him at four and they chose him over Bagley or Jackson, that would be disappointing, but it's not like it would be the end of the world as if they took a Hashim the beat. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Parker, are you there? Parker. Brandon, are you Uh-oh, still there? We lose him? I'm still here. Yeah. All right, we might have lost Parker. Okay, 
Uh, well, we thank Parker uh, for his time and his uh, his efforts in terms of being on the uh, on the beat for us at that particular workout. Make sure you're following Parker on Twitter if you don't already do so at Paka P A K A underscore Flaka. He's done a great job for us, and we're excited to have him with us over at grizzlybearblues.com. We're finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mullinax, joined by my co-host, Brandon Connor. Uh, we're finishing up here. As I mentioned, we'll be back in around the second week of June, uh, taking a break from the podcast for a little bit. Only so much you can say about these various prospects, but we will be back here in a couple of weeks to preview the NBA draft further. Uh, Brandon, I want to just get your take before we get out of here. What what do you feel about the overall theme of the draft? What are some storylines that you're going to be watching for from the Grizzlies moving forward? Uh, what are things that, as we take our little break, that you're going to keep an eye on for what may transpire between now and then? I think a lot of it is just kind of paying attention to trying to read the tea leaves in terms of what the teams in front of the Grizzlies are thinking. Um because like Harrington touched on, a lot of their decision is going to be made for them. So really you, you're paying attention more to what, you know, the Suns, the Kings, and the Hawks are looking at and who they seem to be narrowing their attention on um, to get a better idea of who's going to be there for the Grizzlies. Um, and then you kind of have to look at um, – I know I know Harrington also touched on – we've talked about how what Wallace has liked in the past um, – I actually I understand the the Mo Bamba makes me nervous because he's so much of a project. Um, like you said, the to beat comparisons are probably unfair. Um, he's a really well polished guy, a hard worker. He seems smart. He just it's just so much raw projection with him going forward. I'm hoping that at least the Grizzlies don't make too short sighted of a move. But I think if I think that might also steer them away from Bamba in terms of the fact that he's not going to be ready to contribute at a high level, even as high a level as someone like, like Jaron Jackson, even if you think he's um, kind of someone who's not going to contribute as much as like some of the other guys like Bagley in the first year, um, that might steer him away from, from a guy like Bamba, who's more of a project. Um, but that's really it. It's just looking at, first of all, who's, who you think, who we think is going to be there for the Grizzlies at number four. And then what, kind of signals the, the Grizzlies are putting out in terms of what they're looking for. Um, I think it's a little bit harder to project for 32, though. Um, I know we, we've seen some guys. I've, I've heard a lot of names that I liked, um, and I can't think of his name. The the player out of Wichita State that um, that Harrington mentioned, whose name like yeah. escapes me at the moment. Um, he's, he's a guy that I like to um, – I'm pulling it back up. I had it. I had it closed yes, out. Yes. Uh, Landry Shamet. So, so Landry Shamet was a guy that I liked. Um, Grayson Allen. I, I think he makes sense. I know he's he's. It seems like he has matured since he he's had all those incidents at Duke. So um, I don't think that's a terrible pick there. But it seems like I would love if Divincenzo fell, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I think the I think the fact that he tested so well at the combine is going to kind of price him out of the. Grizzlies range in the early second. Um, but I think that's harder to pick, but I think th- this draft is deep enough that they're, they should have at least a few guys still on the board who can contribute at a high level. And so I'm ex- excited to see where it goes from there. Um, what are you looking for forward to, and who are you – is there anyone you, like, want to dig deeper on at this point or names that have kind of piqued your interest that you don't know a lot about that you're looking at in the – upcoming weeks Shamet is one that I would love to look more into um NBA draft.net has him going 16th the Phoenix which is Whoa. surprising to me I know a little bit about him uh but I don't I didn't think he'd go in front of a Kyrie Thomas type like Chris talked about or a uh a, or a Lonnie Walker I mean Lonnie Walker drops to 20 in this draft and NBA draft.net is always kind of iffy uh that, that and Lonnie Walker might be 10th to Philly uh tomorrow um, but I do like NBA draft on that in terms of their profiles. We talked about draft express, not quite being the same as it once was. Um, you know, I, I really like the idea of a, oh, a great example with NBA draft on that. For example, one, Deandre Ayton, 
two, Marvin Bagley. Three, Jaron Jackson. So who's available at four? Luca. Four, wait, wait. Muhammad Bamba. Five, oh, Luca Doncic. You're killing me, man. You're killing me, I man. Will, I will eat a printout of this mock draft if Luca Doncic is available at four and the Memphis Grizzlies don't take him. I will be shocked, stunned. I will get all of the drink specials at the draft party. Not for anybody else. I'm not going to be buying a round for the house, celebrating a great draft pick. I will get it all for myself and drink myself into oblivion if they pass on Luka Doncic at four. So that's a great example of taking NBADraft.net with a grain of salt. However, you know, a player like Shamet is somebody I'd like to look a little bit more into. A Troy Brown, uh, a buddy of Dylan Brooks's, perhaps, uh, going back to their Oregon days. <clears throat> Obviously, Brown is a freshman, so they wouldn't have played together, but I'm sure Dylan is familiar with him. I like Mitchell Robinson. How much sense does it make to take another center on this team? I don't know, but I think his game will probably translate well to the NBA. As Chris mentioned, I really like the idea of taking a different type of point guard from Andrew Harrison. I love, love Javon Carter. If the Grizzlies took Javon Carter at 32, some people might think that's a reach. I'd be cool with it. I think that guy's going to be a pit bull in the NBA. Uh, 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 <clears throat> maybe a better Beyonce Weber, uh, you know, is kind of my idea. And I like Beyonce Weber a lot, too. So if he can be better than him, he'll stick on an NBA roster, and uh, he, he'd be a different look from what Andrew Harrison can give you. Um, just just some, guys like that, you know, we know about the top guys. We know that one of them is likely to be there, whether it's a, a Bagley, a Doncic, a Jaron Jackson Jr., a Michael Porter. One or two of those dudes is going to be there, and Memphis is going to have their pick. So as downtrodden as I was about falling to four, it's better than falling to five, and you're also in a place where you're still in a, a spot to take a potential generational talent. So I, I, I'm interested in how that's all going to play out, but at the same time, that 32nd pick to me, that's a guy who could theoretically, as we've seen with Dylan Brooks and others, really be a contributor for this team, and they could be a cheaper contributor for this team, and a team that's so capped out that, it, that makes that 32nd pick not as important as four, obviously. But it's in the mix because of – or it's in the mix in terms of being important for this roster because of the fact they have to find that cheap, uh, ab- that cheap ability, the, the the type of player where they can pay them. Essentially, it's a little bit more fluid in what they can pay, how they can get to the bird rights years and that sort of thing. Uh, I, that thirty second pick to me really fascinates me, and there's going to be options there for them as well. I'm excited about the draft. It's my first one that I've really emphasized and focused on because of the fourth overall selection uh, at GBB. I'm excited to keep uh, following it. Hopefully you'll do the same with us over at grizzlybearblues.com. Like I said, we're taking a little bit of a break for a couple of weeks. We should be back. I believe it'll probably be June 12th, but make sure you're following us on Twitter at GB live or at SBN Grizzlies to get the details on when we will officially be back in the saddle in terms of the podcast more than likely June 12th, but it could change. Thanks so much to Chris Harrington for being our guest tonight. Thanks so much to Parker Fleming for stopping in and giving a quick report on how things went down at the player uh, workouts for the Grizzlies. Thanks so much to my co-host, as always, Brandon Connor, and thanks to you for listening. However you're taking in the podcast, it is appreciated. We'll be gone for a couple of weeks. Stick with grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're making us your spot for Memphis Grizzlies off-season plans. Obviously, the NBA draft is the first step in that direction. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Enjoy all of the great basketball that is to come. And we'll see you on the flip side. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.